the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site that covers your Arizona Cardinals. With me is my co-host, Seth Cox, from AvengeOfTheBirds.com, the SB Nation Arizona Cardinals site, and he is also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. We are recording episode 474 on a Tuesday night as we normally do, the first of two, hope maybe three shows that we will do. Well, Seth and I will do two shows, and then after that, maybe I will, hopefully I will have a third show this week to preview their Week 7 game against the Seattle Seahawks. But this show, Episode 474, is all about what happened against the Los Angeles Rams. We've got reactions, we've got QB fun, and we've got roster decisions, things that have happened, things that could be coming. It's going to be going to be exciting. I mean... Seth, I'm not sure how much more we can say about this, but the Cardinals seem to be following quite the familiar script, and that is start strong, play competitively in the first half, and then fall apart in the second half. I don't like like it was not long ago that we were talking about how this is a bad, a good bad team. Um, I, I'm less, I'm less. Likely to call them a good bad team is just a a frustrating bad team because you can tell that they are and, and I guess the, they're playing the first half of most games. It tells you this: they're a well coached team. That's that's so they're a well coached team. It's prepared, but are severely undermanned and under talented and ill equipped to handle adjustments on the fly. And that's what it comes down to. They just can't. You know, I call it the counterpunch. They just can't counterpunch. You know, they they end up playing well the first half. And then in the second half of games, they are just outmanned. And when they try to counterpunch, they just don't have the the guys, the people that can do it. So it's just, you know, it becomes a huge issue. And it's not, I mean, let's be honest, it's, just, it's not overly surprising um, that it's that big of a deal. Well, uh, and, and we like we both kind of projected. We expected them to be one and five at this point. Like right, and and it. I think I think the biggest issue becomes that they are they are just so thin, and so you know, at, even with Jonathan Ledbetter back, his first game back, he didn't look great. I think you would agree with that. You know, he didn't exactly look great. Um, he, you know, this team just lacks talent up front. And so to see how this is all, you know, playing out, it, sh- it just shows that this is a team that it's just slightly devoid of talent and they're just trying to keep up. And, and you know, as the injuries persist, uh, it just becomes a situation where they can't, compete uh, enough to to keep things close unfortunately and and you know it's tough i mean like you said it's not a surprising thing but it's it is disappointing at times that that's what happens right it is i mean 
here's the numbers. Second half, they've been outscored 98 to 30. They have not scored more than eight points in any second half. They were shut out last week. They were shut out on Sunday twice. <laughs> well, they, they gave up 31 points to, to the Giants. They gave up 20 points to the, the Rams. Let me see if I've got that up there. So, yeah, so they twice this season they've given up at least 20 points in the second half. They gave up 17 to the 49ers. The, their second half output has been 3, 8, 7, 6, and 6. Um, you know, you, you do that in the second half of games, there's, there's really no way you can there's – no, there's no way to win unless you – Unless you do what they did to the Cowboys and hold them to six points in the second half, um, you know they've given up. They gave up ten to Washington. They gave up six to to Dallas. But they've allowed multiple touchdowns in four of their six games in the second half. Um, Thirty-one points, obviously, to to New York. Fourteen points to the Bengals. 17 to the 49ers and 20 to the 49ers. It's is it just they run out of gas? I mean the the, the way the way that the Rams and we'll go specifically to the Rams game. This was a Rams team that attempted three rushes the entire first half and then came out and ran the ball eight consecutive times. For 68 yards or something like that, or, or 60 yards before Matthew Stafford dropped back to pass and scrambled for two, so they had technically nine consecutive rushes before there was there was the touchdown pass, and it was it was just absurd. The fact it it felt like that 2013 2014 Cardinals or against the 49ers when. There was like this one drive. I can't remember which season it was, but San Francisco basically they put together like a fourteen-play drive and ran the ball. Thir- they it just took the absolute life out of the Cardinals then, and the fact that this was telling. This it was uh, on the TV broadcast that Sean McVay's Rams had never done more than five consecutive rushing attempts in any game since he took over in twenty seventeen. They. This was after only rushing, running the ball three times in the first half, and they decided, well, let's try this, and the Cardinals just, they had no answer. They had no answer for it. Well, let me give you some other numbers that are distressing. You look at Josh Dobbs, and you look at his splits, and... It's really interesting to look at it because if you if you look at him from a first half to a second half, he's virtually the same quarterback. He he completes just under 63% of his passes. He has 571 yards in the first half, 644 yards in the second half. I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? You you're trailing, you're going to need to gain a little more yardage. Three touchdowns in the first half, three touchdowns in the second half, one interception in the first half. Two interceptions in the second half. So, I mean, nothing outrageous, right? Like, not not crazy. Uh, he's been sacked four times in the first half, seven times in the second half. So you look at it and you go, hey, across the board, this is not not bad, right? Like, you're, 
first half, second half, you have pretty much the same quarterback. But, and thanks to the guys at Pro Football Reference that, that do all of this, uh, we can break that down even further. And the quarterback that plays in the fourth quarter is genuinely an awful quarterback. And that's part of the issue as well. You look at Dobbs' first and third quarter stats, and it kind of coincides with what we're talking about, that they make they make halftime adjustments and they come out, and he, he plays fine. I mean, he's 26 of 33. That's 78.8% completion percentage for 264 yards and two touchdowns in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, he's 36 of 66. That's less than 55% for 380 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. He is averaging under six yards per attempt, and his his AYA, which for those that don't know, you know, kind of what that means, that's your adjusted yards gain per pass attempt, and you want to – good quarterbacks are typically over eight. Um, His fourth quarter is 4.7. He he's literally playing like a, like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league in the fourth quarter. And that's, Obviously a product of something that you've talked about quite a bit. You get Josh Dobbs and you let him be a guy, right? And it's fine. Um, But if you get Josh Dobbs and then you ask him to do anything, it becomes, I don't want to say impossible because that makes it sound, you know, I, that that's disrespectful to a guy that's playing his, the best ball of his career. That's, you know, putting forth great effort, but he's just not, good enough he's not talented enough and that's and that's right you know where the issues come in and you look at it it's you know it's unfortunate because it shows the biggest issues with this team is it's a you know it shows that the combination of poor defense and then asking Josh Jobs to do too much is basically a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Uh, and, and I will say that there was not everything bad about that game. There were some things too to like, they, they were strong early. I mean, they, they, they didn't score a touchdown. That's, that's troubling. They didn't get the, but they did have some, some success running the ball. Um, it wasn't great. I, I, I didn't expect that to be great, but they did get Keontae had moments. Uh, I will say that Keontae is very frustrating to watch when you're used to James Conner. Um, but Damian Williams wasn't bad. Um, DeMarcado, it, it appeared that they just had him back in his third down role, basically, uh, where he is there. Their third down, they're blocking, they're blocking back for pass in the passing game. Um, you, it looked like Hollywood was going to have a better game because you, if you watched Hollywood, he was wide open the entire game. He has been, and he continues to be absolutely cooking. And, and Seth showed me a, t- a tweet that 
that that Hollywood have that you know how cryptic is it? And it just says separation with all the split. Like I don't know if that means anything off the field, but if if you watch the film, Hollywood's getting separation pretty much on every every route he runs. Yeah, and and you know there were two plays obviously that are big in that game that loom large, and those were the plays where uh, Josh Jobs just missed him were unable to hit him. One was underthrown and allowed the defensive player to make a play on the ball. The second one, obviously being the one where he threw it and it led him out of bounds. Um, you know, and that's just that's just frustrating as somebody watching, obviously, that, you know, you got a guy that should be able to make make throws because there was no pressure there was no issues but i mean it's kind of been an epidemic in the nfl this year and you just kind of go back and watch it and and you've seen it all over you had uh justin herbert miss keenan allen on a couple throws uh on monday you know we're recording tuesday night on on last night on monday night football where keenan allen was running wide open i mean literally nobody near him and he and he just missed and you're like what what is going on and so you know those are all those are all frustrating things to see that have been happening and and you hope that those get rectified but right now you know it's been an issue and and hopefully we're able to see that get cleared up um and if not you know if it doesn't get cleared up with with Dobbs hopefully at least when if and when kyler murray comes back it's something that they can do in a positive manner were there any other positive notes that we saw in that game it was good to see victor dimikaji pick up another sack um kevin strong picking up a sack for the second straight but those are those are just plays Um, yeah i thought i mean i thought overall the offensive line wasn't bad um i think there's a huge issue that we see with uh, with Dobbs in that his internal clock is kind of bad too right like he 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 doesn't see hots and he takes sacks and that those led to a couple of uh, uh, of his fumbles in the game as well which are what problems are you know and and you want to see him get work through that and be able to to make plays um in that because that's just a an experience thing from a quarterback right yeah it really is you have to think it's been how long since he's been at like his days at tennessee when he was a starting quarterback and getting regular reps because he wasn't doing it Uh, other than in the preseason other than in a preseason for for the steelers um and the browns um then getting the two starts last year for for the titans it it just wasn't happening um um i will say you know one of the things that i wrote kind of jokingly wrote about i wrote about it it it's like if you so this week they're playing the seahawks um you should start ken walker and you should start either uh, go ahead and start both tyler lockett and dk metcalf because we can almost guarantee we're also going to guarantee unless unless met dk's out but the Cardinals are going to give up big numbers to somebody because we look at the last <laughs> look at the games that they had. Like fantasy fantasy people love playing playing their guys against the Cardinals. You know, 
You know, Daniel Jones had three touchdown passes. Saquon Barkley scored two touchdowns. Uh, Tony Pollard had 122 yards. Then you've got Christian McCaffrey, uh, who had 179 total yards and four touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk had six catches for 148. And Jamar Chase goes 15, 192, and three scores this last weekend. Cooper Cup, you know, you had you had Kyron Williams, you know, 158 rushing yards and a touchdown. Cooper Cup, seven catches for over 140 yards and a touchdown. I think they, they're not doing a good job. <laughs> of limiting the opponent's best players. No, they're not. And, you know, it's, it is an issue and it's something that they've got to figure out. Now, the one thing I will say is, or won't say, but we can watch is DK Metcalf has been, and this is something we'll talk about obviously on, on Thursday, but DK Metcalf hasn't been good this season, but of course we've said that about other players and teams and then they go out and um, just kind of, blow out the Cardinals so you know who knows what's going to happen with that and interesting to see um Starling Thomas get some playing time uh I I think you know Keytrell had some trouble but I I didn't I don't think Marco was as bad as he had been the previous weeks I I think we saw some improvement from Marco I think Keytrell is going through some growing pains right now and it'll be interesting to see if we if we have a move toward Garrett Williams because yeah, he's got to have growing pains too, right? <laughs> he's just coming back. I can't imagine that it, once he's activated, he'll have a significant role on defense. They'll, I, right. I would imagine they'll slow roll like they've done with B.J. Jolari all year. Right, exactly. So, you know, it'll, it'll be one of those things that we'll we'll have to see, you know. And, you know, with with Ojolari, you mentioned it, it, you know, it'll be interesting because this is a team that hasn't done a great job um, bringing along or slow playing guys like it's kind of all or nothing, right? You got P- Paris Johnson, you've got um, Michael Wilson, you've got Keytrell. Dante Stills, yeah, yeah you got well, Keytrell. Hey, Dante, Dante, his his he he would have brought been brought on slower, right? Uh, it was just a necessity, but like it's just really interesting why can't they why can't they get these guys it's all it'd be the one small criticism i have of this coaching staff thus far is that they you know they haven't found a way to slow play guys in like bj ojalary and and you know we'll see again like you said what they do with uh garrett williams because so far it just hasn't been hasn't been pretty, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking just at the numbers. Um, and you know, it's not, I don't want to say it's surprising by any means. I think you would agree with me. Um, but to see Ojolari, his numbers at 85 snaps, you know, and that's, you don't notice them on the field. Right. <laughs> you, you you see him out there like, oh, he's out there. But like when he's playing, you don't see him making any real impact other than you see, oh, there's number 18. Right. And 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 that's been the biggest thing. Now, he did have a huge uptick in special teams snaps this week. So who knows? Maybe that's at least part of the slow play, right? Yeah, that, that certainly could be. Absolutely. Uh, coming up next on the Rest of the podcast, Mr. Cardinals talk on the web. Let's talk about the Joshua Dobbs situation. There is some discussion. Not, I mean, I don't think it's within the team, but there's a, definitely some chatter brought up by, by those who cover team fans. Is it time to move on from Dobbs? That's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. 
We're back on the Rise of Seward podcast, Mr. Cardinals Talk on the web. Josh Dobbs, who, you know, before, like, when things were going well, there were people saying, hey, Dobbs over Kyler. I, that, no, no. But now, after three games in a row of not great play, and especially two, two were, they, they were bad. Like, his, sec- his second half of the last two games have been bad. He's turned the ball over. The one thing that we knew that we were able to do uh, get with him was protecting the football. That after week one, he he was not turning the ball over. Now he's throwing interceptions and fumbling the ball again. He's got five turnovers the last two games. He, he you can tell that the passing game is not as in rhythm. He's missing guys down the field. He's not making throws that he should be able to make when guys are open, and that has led to the question: um, Should they move on from him? Should they, you know, while we're waiting for Kyler Murray? To be back, should Clayton Toon get a shot? I personally, I'm always loath to do that, especially. And, and I and I'll say this again: you're not. There's no need to bring in Clayton Toon because it's not like you, unless he's been amazing in practice. Which, based on the fact that they moved on from Colt McCoy and did not even give Toon a, a shot tells us kind of what their plan is for him. And there is their plan is we don't want him to play this year. They don't want him to play. They want to develop him. And they don't necessarily view him as a future potential starter because young players, especially on a team like the Cardinals, if you have a young quarterback that you think could be your starter, you play him because you let him take his lumps. They're not doing that. And in a situation with a young quarterback and Kyler returning, I don't want any like I don't want any discussion about Tune replacing Kyler. That I just I don't want that conversation. I don't want anything to do with it. Like maybe like maybe he's a star. Maybe he's a stud. I I don't believe that, but I I don't want any any like if we're gonna be bad, might as well just go with the veteran. Go with Dobbs until Kyler's back. And you know honestly, if we're gonna move him from Dobbs, maybe Kyler's back this week. I don't think so, but. Hey, why not just you know bring back Kyler and see what he does? Right, and you know we'll see how it works and and where it goes to. But it's a, it's an interesting uh, dynamic in that they just I think fans are just kind of tired of seeing how. Uh, seeing how bad they look at times right and and that makes it uh that makes it tough to decipher if this is if if you really want to just keep watching it right like if you want to continue to be hopeful that Dobbs will figure it out and that the second halves will clear up or you're like, well, this isn't going to happen. So let's just get to somebody that's better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the, and like they, they decided to roll with Dobbs. I mean, why not finish the job? I can't, right. you know, and I do say the question is, is the downside greater? I think absolutely the downside is greater with tune. Like what, what we what we have seen from Dobbs is ability to, in the first half, follow a game plan, execute a game plan, and and be in a good position in the first half, and things just fall apart in the second half. 
with tuner are you gonna be able to get that is or like have they i don't know obviously because we haven't seen what he's done in practice but i do i think that we can trust tune to play as smart as dobbs has thus far i don't think so and, and it's not like tune didn't have accuracy problems with guys down the field in the preseason. Well, it's not, and it's not like Toon didn't have accuracy problems coming out of college either. <laughs> right, right, right. That, that's the, so if you're not going to see any upside, you might as well, because you're not looking toward the future with Toon. You're looking for a week or two or three for Kyler. And so, I don't know. This is, I think this is just the it's inevitable, well, it's the, it's the inevitable arc of a backup quarterback. We like Colt McCoy. What what have we seen from him? Like like we'll even go back to well Gardner Minshew is the same guy. Ryan Fitzpatrick for most of his career was this guy. Like Fitzmagic was a thing for three games. <laughs> right. And he finally was able to level out level out his play a little bit more towards the end of his career. But you have some really really good backup quarterbacks, but if you play them for seven eight games you're going to see why they are backup quarterbacks and this is exactly why this is exactly why joshua dobbs is a backup quarterback that he's not a starter is because the best that you can get from him is what we've seen in his best games like that's that is the ceiling and you can't expect that ceiling to be reached on a consistent basis Right, exactly, and that's what it boils down to. And, you know, the reason he's a journeyman and he's a decent backup, and, and we've talked about this with Colt McCoy in the past, right, is, like, you've got guys that can do it for a week or two, and then from there it becomes really hard and they're not very good, right? Yeah, but do I do I like Dobbs moving forward as the backup? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, I, I think so. I think he's earned that. Right. I, I think he's earned like and I, I think hope, he's I heard that I think I, he's earned legacy backup status. <laughs> kind of like and, kind of and like Drew Stanton and, and Colt McCoy did. Right. And I just hope that his performance at the end doesn't taint what he was in that situation because it wasn't bad. No, oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now would I rather Kyler be coming back this week? Yeah, I do. Would would this be a tough game for him to come back after only one week of practice? I I don't know what his. Like, I would think, I would think that based on what we've seen from this coaching staff is that if Kyler is designated to return this week, that it will be with an eye on two two three weeks of practice before activating him. I would guess. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Coming up next, I think, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, I think I, I was going to say I think their goal is to avoid him having to play uh, Cleveland after what we've seen Cleveland do. It's true, San Francisco. Maybe. maybe. Coming up next on the Rise Up Seaward podcast, Mister Cardinal Stock on the web. Let's talk about the roster: Kyler, Garrett Williams, the surprise release of My J Sanders. That's coming up next on Rise Up Seaward. We're back on the Rise of Seward podcast, Mr. Cardinals Talk on the web. Uh, we've got Garrett Williams on the last week of his window before he needs to be reactivated. I expect that's going to happen this week. Uh, Kyler 
is on the verge of being activated from PUP, not activated, but designated to return from PUP. Uh, if it's happening this week, you probably will have heard it before this show drops. But let, let's talk a little bit about the, the 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 news that came out on Tuesday. First, from Adam Schefter, is that the Cardinals are were going to release, we're going to end up releasing second-year linebacker MyJ Sanders, their third, one of their two third-round picks from a year ago, uh, unless a deal came up for him. It did not end up happening, and he was released officially. Um, what What's your take on just the whole scenario? Because it does feel weird that, you know, he they opened his practice window literally Thursday, so he had two days, not even a full week of practice. He got two days of practice, and then on the very next week, before they even start practicing, he's gone. Um, I don't know what to I think do- of that exactly. It it just screams to me that they didn't see whatever it was, and I'm not saying what it is, what it isn't, but whatever it was, that they did not see what they wanted to see out of it, out of him. Um, but you and I talked about it. Like this was a guy that was probably going to get cut anyway, right? Based like, on based, there's no good way to keep seven outside linebackers on this roster. And there were six guys that they actually loved. And it, you know, there's like Zayvon Collins, they love him. Dennis Gardick, love him. Uh, Cameron Thomas, they like his upside. Um, even though he hasn't done much. Like, he's made a few plays. He's been quiet this year. Uh, Victor Dimikagey has really emerged. Jesse Laqueta, they, they weren't going to cut him. And their second-round pick, B.J. Jolari. So, my Jay's spot on the roster was just... When they kept him and then put him on arms, like, okay, okay. And the fact that he was part of the uniform reveal also suggested that there were plans for him. But then he was hurt all the preseason. Um, and, like, on even on the depth charts, he was listed at the very back. Uh, I don't know what to think about it because is it more about the numbers or was he not a fit? So, I mean, you talked about it. I mean, we both did, but you were very, you know, you were very profound on the situation of that. Like, he he seemed like the odd man out. And it seems like that was a truthful statement and that this was a situation where he just didn't fit with this with this group right and that they had differing opinions on his abilities and and what they needed from him and he just didn't seem like a guy that fit and i said this and i'm interested on your take he is i don't i don't want to say probably better but he is likely better edge player than Zayvon Collins who has not been very good at that position however one of the things that we've heard glowingly about Zayvon is how open he was to this change and how coachable he is in this entire scenario so I mean and we're not saying anything negative about um my j but extrapolating that 
it does make it seem like it potentially had something to do with just his fit within the the organization itself. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and that was kind of what we said with Isaiah. It wasn't it's not it's not that they're bad guys by any means, but one of the things that I think that we've seen them want is guys that are selfless and are willing to do whatever the coaches ask without question or, 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 you know, anything of that nature. And, and again, we're not saying that Isaiah or, or my J did that, but you know, it may just come down to a sentiment that that's what ended up happening. As they said, you know what, we've got, like you said, we've got six guys before him and they're all bought into what's going on. And he wasn't, buying in as well not saying he didn't buy in but like he wasn't playing as well or buying in as well as as these other guys and so we you know we're just gonna cut bait at this point well and and like in fairness he wasn't drafted by this regime he wasn't drafted by money austin ford so we don't know what the evaluation we don't know where they valued my j coming out of college um they kind of what we we've seen with some of them they saw Zavin more as an edge than than an off ball guy. Even though we we thought that he was a good fit off the ball, they viewed Isaiah more of a defensive back. And you know, I, I I haven't heard I haven't seen this from any of the insiders. I had I had a uh, I had a follower on on Twitter at me and, and tell me that some insiders are saying that he was struggling picking up the system and maybe is not all in on football maybe that's the case i don't i, I have not seen well that anywhere. and like we said that would uh, we're not saying that's what happened by any means i i want everybody to really kind of understand that but it wouldn't make sense to go to that drastic of a of a stretch right that he that's why they moved on because it other than that it, then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah yeah that's and, and the, the one thing we'll say is it'll be interesting if they if it was more a numbers game and now I don't know because he was released while technically still on IR all those all although designated a return which means he had been medically cleared if he is eligible for the Cardinals to bring him back to the practice squad if um, he goes unclaimed uh, and honestly I I don't know why anyone like if there was a team who wanted him. I don't know why they wouldn't have traded like nothing for him because right. because the, the like salary wise there was no risk at all. Uh, None, no, no. So I, I don't think he'll end up getting claimed, but maybe he will. But if he goes unclaimed, I, I'd be interested to see if he comes back to the practice squad because if he does, that suggests it was simply more of a numbers game. Um, right. That that'll be what the. But here's the other thing, and and we talk about this all the time. You and I especially talk about this. On this podcast or with you and I just, you know, personally talking. Our fans love the idea of a player much more than they love the reality of a player. And and that happens so much that sometimes they look at moves and they go, I can't believe all they got was a seventh round pick for <laughs> Isaiah Simmons. Well, I mean, Isaiah Simmons doesn't 
I mean, he's he doesn't play a whole lot for the the Giants. I think he's less than fifty percent of snaps. And and people can say, oh well, you know, he just got there. What do you expect? Well, I expect that a team that's devoid of talent on defense and not playing well on defense would find a way to utilize a guy that you know is supposed to be otherworldly in in terms of talent. He's playing thirty five percent of the snaps uh, for for the giants and you know he's still having the same type of problems like he's still not good against the run he can't rush the passer so you're you're seeing the same things Rashard Lawrence you know you and I were I don't want to say surprised because obviously we saw it coming based on his usage in the preseason and training camp and more training camp. I mean, something, I guess we can talk about it now, right? Like during training camp, that guy was not playing very much. And you and I were like, they're going to cut him, aren't they? Like this Richard Lawrence. And so like, I think fans love the idea of what a player is. And then he's on a practice squad. Like that's all he's doing right now. Yeah. And and so it's not that it's not that they're bad or anything like that, but I think fans get overly like, oh, I cannot like he's the next, you know. And and that's my question. Like we all acknowledge that they made a mistake with Hassan Reddick. I don't think anybody doesn't acknowledge that. But outside of Hassan Reddick, who you know, other than Tyron Matthew, who just wanted out, right? Like it's not like they're they've made I, I I mean the biggest one's probably what Calais Campbell of of thinking he was done and now he's put up 44 sacks <laughs> since he left you know the organization like yeah it's not like they've done a poor job and well and and, and had here's the thing with Hassan in any other team's situation would they have done something different based on what you'd seen in the body of work. I still, like, we, we ourselves, when we said, you know, we could bet on that. Like, bet on that. Give him, especially with, now, I don't know if he would have taken the same type of deal that he got from Carolina with the Cardinals. I think he accepted that after he was, you know, disrespected by, disrespected by the Cardinals. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, we it, it it's interesting it, just kind of the the type of characters that we expect that the that this regime expects and it feels like I just this just came to mind. I don't think this group would have ever even considered Robert Kimdichi, you know. Uh they want they want to know they want all football character and no questions off the field about anything when one of the biggest concerns about robert kandichi was his commitment to football right and, and and if that is and like we said we're not reporting it we don't want anybody to think that that's what's going on but if that is what's you know a concern about my jay then this makes sense right yeah, it, it it does. It does. Um, maybe he breaks back, comes back to practice. Well, then you see, maybe he's got a little something there, um, because then you can, if there's an injury, you can always bring him up. But yeah, and, and you know, I know he he bulked up. He did. He, he has. He is closer to about two sixty now. Two sixty five, I think, is what he's listed at. Um, 
he was lean when he came into the league, and that isn't the size of the guys that um, that they like on their edge. Like they like Zavin size guys. Now Gardick's an exception. Demikaji is built big as well. But they, but Gardick is an exception in the way that he's also the least utilized pass rusher. Yeah, of the group. Yeah. Like it's not like they utilize him very much. So I I don't know. I just yeah, all of that comes into this whole situation and and you know, now you look at it and you go, okay, this is you know, they're they like what they have and they're that's where they're going now and and we'll see how it works out for them overall. The Cardinals can then we will find out. Do you think? Do you think that Kyler will have his practice window open to this week? There is a growing feeling. Without the Cardinals saying anything, it kind of it kind of sounded like it was going to be. I can't remember was the what Gannon said on the radio or what someone was saying. But I think it was Darren Urban was um, alluding to based on the chatter around is that between Monday and Tuesday was going to be an interesting couple of days. Um, it would be fun. It would be great if they get Kyler. And then it's going to be interesting to see what is the plan with Kyler if they open this practice window because um, you open that practice window, that means you are taking snaps away from Josh Dobbs, especially if you intend on him practicing, unless you just plan on week one, you're doing individual work with the team and, uh, and kind of go from there, and maybe you have him do some of the walkthrough work. I don't know, but uh, I would guess they want a couple of weeks, as we mentioned already, but mm, and, and I guess the issue is, because this is a new offense for him, would they activate him and then basically give him the Dobbs treatment in Seattle? In Seattle? I personally... Would I object to that? No, I'd, I'd welcome Kyler's back as long as he's physically, if he's physically fine and he's mentally ready to compete. Why not let him make some mistakes against the team? They're probably that they're not going to win anyway. Yeah, exactly, and, and get healthy in doing so. Or, or crazy thought, crazy thought. They they do the the left guard. Of- approach you know how they've been bringing in it's like elijah wilkinson comes out every game for two series <laughs> we thought he got benched finally because he was playing poorly but no it's it's you know they 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 always coaches are like that so i it's very interesting i never having coached myself never having played organized football it's interesting how the offense, the starting offensive line dynamic is. Once you've picked a starter, and everyone on the outside seems to think that dude sucks, they don't move him. They're like, we we like what he's doing. Like, really, really, the well, guys behind him are that are are that much worse. I, I've said it before. A lot of it's just continuity. Like that's just what teams want from their offensive line, and so and so it he, is. Is that a slow play by getting daily snaps, like when they're getting cologne snaps, is to 
make it the adjustment less abrupt if they make a a move over the next two three weeks to phase Wilkinson out. Probably, I mean, if they're if they truly want to move on from him, I would say it's probably the reason why they're doing it that way, uh, because they just are trying as much as they can to get him in sync with what is working, you know, and, and I know people will disagree and they'll be like, Oh, it's not working. It is though. Like they're the running. Line's not the problem. Oh, their running game's been good. And so, um, you know, that's, that's how you have to look at it. Well, I, 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 what I got off the track was, would you, what would you consider having Kyler come in for a here, pair of here, series? Here's my question. And I, and I'm curious what you think. Do you think that would work with Dobbs? Like, don't you think that it would potentially cause an issue? Because especially it when he plays well on a series, people are going to be like, why are you going back to Dobbs? Right? Like, I, that's- I, I could see that, but like, they've been so very deliberate and intentional about a lot of their plans. I could see them going unless like we're only limiting him to this number of snaps, treating it like a preseason game, essentially. Yeah. And that could be something that they, but that's the thing. Don't you think they'd have to come out and say that like before, like no matter how I well think that he wouldn't, I don't think Gannon would say it. I think that would come out but that, later that's, in the week. That's kind of what I meant. Like it would have to be agreed upon between him and the team. Before yeah. The oh, team. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I would, I would totally see that as being, um, cause of, cause of course I will say this. Why, why are the Cardinals like this as an organization? Why not tell your local media guys what the plan is and then let Ian Rappaport and, and Adam Schefter report it nationally? Why? Why? You have local reporters you can tell. <laughs> right. Like you could say, okay, here's the plan. So we, we've opened Kyler's window. We do have a plan for him in to play a couple of series, depending on how that goes, to give him some game reps. But he will not play the entire game. Right. And that's <laughs> I and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I mean, would that put them at a competitive disadvantage against the Seahawks. I don't know. But they right. don't know what series Kyler's going to be in, and it does it would force them to prepare for both Kyler and Dobbs, right? You would and, see, and we've already seen them do that once. <laughs> like although like so the, the the commanders weren't doing extra game prep to prepare for Clayton Toon. Yeah, like we said before. <laughs> Um, the other one, so we, I don't anticipate, like, I don't know what other um, roster moves are coming other than Garrett Williams practice window opened up two weeks ago. So it would, he's got a 21 day window, which means I think by Monday or Tuesday next week, he has to be, he has to be activated to the 53 man roster. Would you guess that's going to happen this week? Especially, I, I'm going to say, especially because um, Antonio Hamilton's groin injury, I wonder how serious that is. 
Yeah, and there, I mean, I called that in the game, right, when he... Uh, when he came he, up lame on that, you know, he yeah. grabbed his groin, you're like, oh, Garrett Williams next week. Yeah, exactly, and, you know, you look at that, and, um, I mean, it just, it makes it tough, man. Like, it's a, it's a tough situation, and we'll see how it, it works out, but I think overall, um, you know, thus far, you have to look at it and say that, they'll probably have to um they'll probably need a guy to replace him right yeah and i mean technically they can use um, thomas and and they brought up bobby price last week and they brought in quavian white before but it seems like it it's about the time to to bring garen williams on and maybe maybe they give him that sixth defensive back role that that Hamilton handled early in this season so um so maybe you have to like if if Jalen Thompson is back we don't know what that's going to look like if Jalen Thompson is back this makes goes goes a lot easier because then you they're using three safeties instead of having using three and four cornerbacks then you stick with Marco and Keitrell and then you can bring in Williams as the dime back like they used Hamilton earlier this season but I, I'm I'm super interested kind of the play for that because I mean, I I just I want to know what their plan is for Williams this year because we would have figured had he been healthy in camp that we'd be looking perhaps more at Williams as being the starter than Keytrell, wouldn't you guess? Yeah, you would think so. Anything else of note before we wrap this show up and, and pass it on to our preview pit predictions and props for the show Tuesday night? I mean Thursday night. No, I think, I mean, you just look at it. It's been a great exercise in patience, and, and that's something that I think we knew was going to happen, but at times it's been a little more trying than we than even we expected, right? Right. It, it's, you know, <laughs> it's been a roller coaster, even the, with the low expectations we had. So that'll wrap up this edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, Best Star of Cardinals Talk on the web. This is episode 474. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Rue. We'll be back again in a couple of days for our preview, picks, and prop bet show. That's, we'll see you in a couple of days. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.